when you think about it. And and I suppose with the Goldman AI program, they teach you how to coach through journaling. And I found that really quite interesting, but fascinating. Welcome to the Emotional Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Splendori, and this week my guest is Wendy Chin of Pinnacle HR. This is part two of our conversation, and we started last week discussing emotional intelligence and the importance that has had on Wendy's personal and professional growth. The music is from Nevada. The song is called Pressure. So in, in preparation for uh, speaking to you, I took out my old, my old emotional social competency index uh, that I did, you know, 18 months ago or so. And it was really interesting. One of the things that I learned about myself when I looked at it again, and again, I haven't looked at it in months, was my view of my perception of myself was so much lower than how my client saw me, how my peers saw me. Um, and what does that say to me? That, what that says to me is that I, I project a, a very different image versus how I actually really feel about myself. Um, and that was one of the key, um, I suppose, areas that I've been working on is, well, how do I step into those shoes? Because my clients see me in a very positive light, but for whatever reason that's holding me back, I don't see myself in the same light, whether I'm still superwoman or I don't know. You know, it's, mm. there are just areas that I noticed I was, um, and again, that was, that was 18 months ago. I think it would be time to kind of do it again. That's really interesting. And uh, as you know, I'm in the process of, of getting my qualification from Kingston, both for uh, executive and, um, and the corporate well-being modules. So um, it's really interesting at the moment. But two of the girls that are in the, in the, co- in the classes with me, they asked, they asked me actually to, to, to the, to look into this idea of uh, women in the in the workplace and how coaching is helping or not, and it's really interesting what you're saying about the superwoman because I'm sure you're not the only person, you're not the only woman that has gone through that, has gone through. I need to do all of this because that's what I'm yeah. here for. So, in having done all of this, your personal growth through your coaching and th- uh, more so through emotional intelligence. And now you're still very much active in HR is your main business and recruitment. Mm. Have, you seen, have you seen evidence of coaching making that changes to other people, not just yourself, your clients or people you know, mm. especially women? I'm talking about women. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, remarkable changes. Um, so obviously um, the confidentiality agreement, a confidentiality agreement between coaches and their clients. Sure. So um you know, without revealing names, but I I just completed a couple of, cl- of female clients who are um, working moms, who are high achievers, um, and it has been so rewarding to watch, to see, uh, to help facilitate that journey. Um, one of my clients said to me that, you know, when we were kind of doing a debrief and, and um, doing a recap after the program, she said to me, she said, I never knew how much I would, I used to avoid actually just sitting with myself and just listening to my thoughts um, and how I was doing so many things because I was afraid. 
and um, a lot of times what the the root causes are is 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 fear of failure, fear of I'm not good enough, um, all of those silly conversations that you have with yourself. Um, and I don't know if this is a gender thing, and that's not my area of specialty, but you know, working moms, they just have just a ridiculous amount of silly negative talk. I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not a good enough parent, blah, 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 blah. Um, and you know, no matter what side of the coin, and then you have moms who don't work and think, oh my gosh, you know, I've sacrificed everything for my children. I'm, you know, la, 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 you know, and they're just, the conversation goes on. Um, so for the, the female clients who are, um, who are moms, who are really trying to grow their career, what I have noticed is, is that they've been able to, actually, sorry, just to digress, one of the comments that that particular client, client said is that she always used to say, I should do this, I should do that. And it was as if it was a word to constantly be her with, or be herself with. Um, I should I, I, I should be making more money or I should be at this point in my life. Um, and what is that? I mean, that's really just your ego, just getting in your way. Um, that's just a, a stick to beat yourself with. Um, so I found with my female clients that negative self-talk was very present um, and hindered a lot of what they were trying to do. Yeah. Would you say, and, and I do understand it uh, as coaches, we're not supposed to um, give our advice as such. We're not mentoring. We're allowing uh, uh, the client to explore their potential. But would you say that through your self-exploration, you're in a much better position now to coach a person? Having, having done your self-exploration, having figured out your, your triggers, having figured out, you know, because by, by training as a coach, by training as an AI coach, you've actually learned a lot more about yourself. Are you much better equipped now to talk to that working mom um, than you were? Yeah, months? and I think, um, I think fundamentally as a coach, you, and you know yourself, you can only coach them or your clients where they want to go. You know, so um, I'm credentialed with the EMCC and the ICF, and, and you can only do that. So if I go back to that particular client, um, I've actually coached her for the last couple of years uh, with different, you know, we've had one group of sessions and then we take a break and then another group or, or whatever the case. So, but I've known her for, um, for a while. Um, and when you know, and, and actually, I, 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 I discontinued the, the relationship. And I said, you know what, I, I really don't think um, I can help you anymore. And that's the right thing to do that from a, an ethical perspective in terms of what we sign up to um, as professional coaches. Um, but I knew that she just didn't want to go, you know, if you think about the emotional intelligence, if you think about the analogy of an iceberg, right? So the iceberg tells you that above the water, is what you see, you know, I see your behaviors, I, I, I hear you, I feel you, but below the water is your mindset, 
is your thoughts, is your, you know, your values. And I knew from that, for that particular client that she just didn't want to go there. So I could no longer help her. Um, and I said that to her, I said, you know, I think in terms of what you, in terms of the goals that you have set, I think you're there. And she had agreed and she said, yeah, you know, um, but there comes a point where, and, and I think all clients may get there, and it just depends on their own situation, where they really want to make sustainable change. Uh, and that's really the piece where it's, it's their own desire and their own need that something has happened that they really want to go deeper. Just want to touch very briefly on journaling because, as you know, I I've been doing journaling forever. Even before I knew the coaching existed, I just sketch and write every day on something, anything, anything comes to my mind, and and I find it extremely therapeutic as a great way of pass. I started yeah. as a great way of passing time and learning to sketch, and before I knew, like I just carry a thing with me all the time, and but. How do you, when you, and you find it really helpful, obviously you, you explained that to me, but how do you, when you, when you're coaching somebody, how do you get them to do journaling? If it's not something that is natural, comes natural, because it's not, yeah. has to be a flow, has to be something yeah. you enjoy doing. Otherwise it's too yeah. much of the homework. Yeah. Oh, and it's, yeah. And it's funny. I, um, I've had this conversation a lot with my mentor, my, um, my coach mentor, because you, I, I suppose what he and I have been doing is coaching CEOs who they, they don't want to journal. They don't have time. They're working. They're worried about X, Y, or Z. And so you're right. You know, particularly at that population or for someone who never wanted to journal. And, and I would have been one of them never would have journaled and saying, why am I journaling? And it would just felt like a hassle, something else on my to-do list. Um, so one of the ways that he's done it, and, and in fact, I have a CEO client now um, that actually he's been able to do that. And he's on, he's on um, my emotional intelligence program now. Um, and I told him that very start, if, if we're going to do this program, journaling, or doodling, however that piece, but a, a period of time that works for you, for you just to sit with your thoughts. Um, so whether it's a um, it's a note to yourself in, in in your iPhone or whichever that you're just having a thought, and that that's all that it could be. It's just that you're giving yourself an opportunity, particularly with emotional intelligence, that you're, again, learning what that competency is, you're being able to apply it, and you just reflect. So it could be one word. It could be, I've doodled it on my, on my notepad, and I've taken a picture of it, and I'm going to share that with my coach. And then, when you think about it, and, and I suppose with the Goldman AI program, they teach you how to coach through journaling. And I found that really quite interesting but fascinating so you could send me a picture andrea or a doodle and we could have a whole coaching session about what that doodle is um and it's it's phenomenal so to answer your question how do you do it well in the program that i you know in terms of with the goldman ei program it's part and parcel right you have you, you need to do it and again it could be a minute a day that's it um, for others, 
who might be listening and who might just want to try it, you know, whether it's just getting yourself a lovely, nice journal or it's just a notepad and you're just taking your thoughts and putting it on paper or sketching it. Um, and what's really interesting, and I suppose I'll share a personal experience, one of my self-beliefs was I always thought that I couldn't write. Um, and that creativity side of me was just not there. But going through the program, I had a journal regularly, um, had to sit with my thoughts, had to talk to myself and <laughs> have conversations with myself, uh, both good and bad. Um, and interestingly, it unlocked it, an area of my brain that I just had never used. Um, so now what I have been doing is I've been writing poetry. Oh. And I have actually, uh, during this pandemic, I've already written two poems. Um, and I did a poem a couple of months ago last summer at a point when my son was moving on to college and it was a particularly um, difficult time for me to kind of get my head around. So, and it's funny, I, and, and now I suppose that I've unlocked that area in my brain that just didn't exist before, or I just, I'm now tapping into it. Um, I get these thoughts that they just come, they just spark. I got, I had one going to bed the other night as to what am I going to do with all these poems? And um, I decided that I'm, well, I don't know if I'll publish it, but I'm going to create a collection of poems um, and I'm going to title it The Power of You because my the constant theme that comes up is um, to help individuals, to um, help leaders, whoever wants to read them. Um, I actually, the last one I, I, I just finished writing um, over the weekend is called um, An Ode to My Five-Year-Old Self. Um, the one I did actually in March, just as the pandemic was just, we were trying to grapple with, um, is I called it Create a Moment of Truth. Um, and the one, the first, the, first, the very first one I wrote was called Time to Grow. And it was a really funny story. Um, so as you know, my eldest son was going off to college. He was moving to California, which is my home state. Uh, and I was just torn up. I just was absolutely torn up. And what happened was, is on the eve of, um, as a family, we were going to uh, take him out for a celebratory dinner. And then he and I were jumping on a plane the next morning and I was going to move him into college. And what was so interesting is um, the, the kids walked down to our favorite restaurant. Uh, they went first. I went upstairs to, to whatever change or something like that. And I had an inspiration and it came to me and it was time to grow because I was so fearful of what would I write in his card um, to kind of say goodbye in one way. And it just sparked. It came to me as I was changing and it was time to grow. And in 30 seconds, I kid you not, it was in my head. I went down to my laptop, quickly wrote it out, printed it out, and I put it in a sleeve and my husband and I walked down to the restaurant and I said, I, I want to share something with you. So I gave it to him and he read it and he said, wow, where did you find that? That's amazing. How is that so relevant for our son? And I looked at him and I said, I wrote it. 
He said, you did not. <laughs> and I said, I did. And it's, so it's interesting. Like, I think that's a personal experience, what the journaling has done for me. And uh, it was a real blocker. Even in, in work environments, I would um, get other people to write for me because I just believed in my head I was not a good writer um, or I had nothing important to say. Yeah. And that was, um, that was real. So. Wow. That's amazing. And I, I, and I guess it goes to, uh, I was always very skeptical about coaching and emotional intelligence, but it goes to testify because I known you, I don't know, 15, 16 years, whatever many years we've known each other. But uh, mm. if somebody had said to me, Wendy's writing poetry, I would have just laughed at her. I said, no way. She would never write. <laughs> I know. So that's fantastic. I'm looking forward to reading when they, when they get uh, published or released. That's amazing. I'll share it to you before then if you'd like. That's amazing. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. Okay, well, I think we're going to carry on through because we, we're doing okay time-wise until you, until you tell me to stop. But uh, we're getting through nicely. And I want to ask you another thing about, um, again, uh, in the workplace, you have a lot of experience in, in all sorts of workplaces. You work for corporates, you work for large yeah. uh, both as as a consultant and so you you know you know the workplace both here and in the US very well more so than many people I know um how important is ai within the the mm. workplace and from hr point of view and, and beyond mm. Mm. yeah and i've been thinking about that a lot um and particularly i think so it's it's an interesting one as i said to you at the start of the at the call Emotional intelligence has is not new. You know, the research goes back 25, 30 plus years. Um, it's only really coming up to the um, into the forefront. What I was thinking to myself today, particularly what we're going through with the pandemic, is that this is um, not only are we just trying to grapple with our own health, um, but actually, I think the transformation that we're all experiencing is very, very different. Um, this isn't a recession. You know, yes, you know, let's not undermine that lots of people are, are financially um, struggling. Um, and also lots of people are, have been sick. Um, but from a business perspective, this really underscores how our ways of working will change. So I believe if you think about what we've gone through, well, you know, if you think of our work patterns, you know, we work five days a week we work nine to six or whatever the case might be. A lot of those work patterns would have started with automation, you know, in when, when, you know, years ago, um, and I can't remember which industrial revolution that would have been, um, but how a lot of that automation came about, how did workers start coming into these offices or manufacturing plants and, and how many hours did they work during the day or during the week? Um, but you always went to a place of work. Um, and a lot of the traditional organizations um, have, have, you know, in Ireland or uh, worldwide, that's the way you work. Whereas now what has happened, it's, it's really put a dynamite in that and has exploded that. Um, and so now when you think about it, what are we doing? It's really put front and center um, at the new ways of working. Um, how do we, you know, how do we live? How do we be? Um, how do we connect? You know, I saw a, a lovely thing on whatever, I don't know what social media posts, but these 
uh, a mom and a, a son trying to hug through plastic. <laughs> and I was like, wow, really? You know, but I think when you talk about for what does that mean for us in the workplace? How are we going to connect with our employees over Teams, over Zoom, over whatever collaboration tool? How do we connect with them? How do we, and how does that then translate to engagement or um, retention? How are we, you know, how is all of our wonderful talent going to stick with us when I can't see all hundreds of them and walk down the floor and they're all there? Not that that's gone, you know, and, you know, and I'm sure you've probably heard, but over the last couple of weeks, all of the IT companies, not all, but a lot of the IT companies are saying, right, well, you can now permanently work from home. Well, that's wonderful. It really, really is wonderful. Um, but what, so, so that has a number of, of, of challenges as well, particularly for those clients or those companies who don't do that. Um, but the implications for the working now is I actually believe that companies have an opportunity to redefine what their culture is, redefine um, what and how they're going to engage and connect with their employees, and really what, it, what, in, what underpins that. That is emotional intelligence, mm. because at the end of the day, you know, it is about connection, connecting with yourself, first of all, but how am I going to connect with you? Yeah. And the so that's only one facet. Yeah, the other thing, the study's been, as you know, my, my, my whole um, idea is all about conversations. I'm a great believer in the power of conversations. And one thing, yeah. uh, once research has been done about empathy, which is one of the pillars yeah. of, your, of uh, the David Goldman uh, EI model, and empathy is, is, is really hard to achieve through um, social media or what we're doing at the moment. We're looking at each other, staring each other in the eye, but we're not really because we're, there's a screen and there's a, a couple of miles in between us. So empathy is not easily achievable yeah. unless it's a, yeah. a natural face-to-face. -face. So that's something that's going to be a, a bit of an issue come, going forward. And uh, Yeah, well, and you're right. So empathy is one of the core competencies. And, how, and, I, and I think for those who've never done it before, for those who've never had to work across a zoom or a teams or whatever the case might be this is really strange and and managers who've never had to lead or manage employees through this medium it's hard mm -hmm. because they're used to sitting beside them and, and having a conversation and really eyeballing them so you do i think that if if there's a time this is the time now for people to really learn how do they do that how do they really connect because you're right, you and I are connecting right now through a screen. But at the end of the day, am I present? Am I there? Am I showing compassion um, to you? Do I really care about you as a human? One of my clients said to me the other day, she said, what's been so nice about this time is even within her own organization is that there's just this wonderful sense of kindness. And that is at the core, kindness, you know. Uh, is, is, is absolutely at the core yeah, at, at what, is, what is this. So, I mean, emotional intelligence is very much around the people. It's yeah. not about how smart you are um, at all. It's about how do you connect with people and are you connecting with them in the way that is going to be positive on both sides? Um, is it, you know, I suppose when you put your commercial hat on, is it also then going to 
give you um, an opportunity to gain productivity or not? You know, so imagine if, you know, I'm, I'm the manager and you're my employee and I just shouted at you. It doesn't matter whether it be over, you know, over, over video or sitting right beside me. You know, that employee is just going to say, here's the two fingers and off I go and I'm going to find some place else. Um, so I think that whole element of the culture is going to come to the forefront even more. Which brings me to the, the last topic for today, which, uh, again, I read this morning, I read two things, uh, both Facebook and another large corporation decided to tell people, well, the next five years, you're all going to be working from home. But also university are now starting to talk about yeah. delivering lectures predominantly online. And yeah. I know one of your, you're very keen on the idea of EI for parents, for parenting. Yeah. So tell me yeah. about that because it's, it's all connected, right? The, the kids of today are going to be the people. Yeah, yeah. and I think, um, you know, if you go back, you know, whether you take Ireland or you go back well, way back when, we have trained our youth. You and I have been trained to build a set of skills, a set of IQ that's going to help us, you know, be gainfully employed or whatever the case might be. They don't teach in school emotional intelligence. And in fact, actually, Singapore is the very first country who have said, you know what? We're gonna, we, are going to, we are going to make emotional intelligence as a foundational skill for our children. Um, the World Economic Forum stated that emotional intelligence is one of the top 10 skills that is required for today and well into the future. Uh, but a, a lot of companies still see it as it's a soft skill. It's not required. Uh, but actually, I think they're forgetting that their people are their assets. And in order to, to deliver the results or whatever the case might be, it has to be through people. Um, but to answer your question, what, is that, um, what does that mean for children? You know, as I said at the start of our call, I'm the mom of four. Um, and if I could give my children one thing, it would be to give them the gift of emotional intelligence. Um, so I have been working on that with my children subtly um, and not trying to be too coercive or uh, <laughs> directive. Um, but it's been really super exciting to see my children to grow their own emotional intelligence. Um, I'll give you a very good example. I think it was probably about a week ago. No, it was a couple of weeks ago. My, my, my daughter who just turned 15 um, and she's, she turned 15 a couple of weeks ago during the pandemic. And she came down to me and she said, mom, I'm really, really upset. What's the, what's the challenge? What's the issue? And she said, I really want to enjoy my birthday, but I'm just getting so stressed out about all of my schoolwork and all of the exams that are coming up. Um, and I said to her, and I said, well, you know, you could let that thought sink in and, and continue to worry you, um, or you could think about that thought as a cloud over your head and let it just pass through. You turn 15 once and today is the day. What would you like to do? Um, and she looked at me and she says, you're absolutely right. I'm going to let it just be like a cloud go through and I'm going to enjoy my day. And the smile I saw on her face, the warmth and the confidence that resumed back into her, um, in her, into her demeanor, 
was rewarding. I mean, and that's one small conversation. She could have left and gone back upstairs because I was working in the kitchen and she was upstairs in her bedroom studying and, and all of that. You know, that could have sat with her and festered. Um, you know, that's only one small piece. And But she and I talk a lot about um, self-awareness and what what kind of thoughts worry you and how do you manage that? And do you let it go or what? Um, so a lot of what I'm trying to do with my own children is around that self-awareness, is around their communication skills. So my oldest son, you know, I, I had been working on that with him for a while. Now he's no longer in my house. Um, but around that awareness of communication. So by even saying something, I said, you know, and I would ask a question. How do you think that comment landed? What kind of reaction were you hoping that you might get from me? And it's, I mean, they're just simple questions. And what am I trying to do? I'm just trying to help him be aware of the impact of his own communication. And, you know, really dealing with, am I really mad at you, mom? You know, do I really kind of feel like giving you the two fingers? Or am I really dealing with something else that has triggered me? Um, that's emotional intelligence. And if I can, my children are only going to be here in my house for a very short period of time, um, unless they come back <laughs> because they have nowhere to live. Um, but they, and when they, if they do come back, they'll be adults. And this is the time. Uh, it's, it, it is, and that goes with um, showing your children how to be compassionate, showing your children how to be empathetic. Um, you model that as parents. Um, and, you know, there's so many different competencies that you can help them grow, even positive outlook. You know, during this particular time, there has been so much talk around your own well-being and keeping sane and having a positive focus. Well, that's really critical because that almost is that beacon of light saying, right, I'm going to be positive um, today and I have that choice. And it's going to have an, an impact on how I look at the world or how I decide what I'm going to do and what decision I'm going to make. Yeah, yeah as you know me well, I, I'm, I'm quite skeptical about a lot of things. At the same time, I'm very curious. And, uh, and uh, when I <laughs> went into this world, I just, um, and you confirmed this, this was an absolutely wonderful conversation, but you confirmed that the toolkit is that's what it is. It's a toolkit you have there. You can keep it with you. You use. You don't have to use it every day, all day, every day. But some days, like in the case of your daughter, uh, on the fifteenth birthday, that's a tool that she can maybe on the sixteenth birthday something else will happen, and she think of the cloud and, and move on. It's yeah. fantastic. Just little yeah. simple things to, and sometimes yeah. the tools don't work. You put them back in the yeah. in the toolbox and start again. Absolutely. You know, if you're a painter or a drawer, you know, it's what color, what color am I going to choose to sketch this? Um, And it's, you know, it's almost, I think what I have learned through this, my own experience that I was really bad at was listening. Um, And, you know, there's a a comment in um, Daniel Bowman's work is, do you listen to respond? Or do you listen to understand? And there is a noticeable difference. And it's something that I have been working on, you know, when I get up in the morning, what's my intention? I gotta listen to understand because it's something that I haven't been very good at. Um, 
or I'm good at it selectively <laughs> or at selective times or with selective people. Um, and so that's, that is a, a, an area that I'm working on, I'm developing. And that's all part of my emotional intelligence because if I can do that better, then I can connect with you in a, in a different way or in a deeper way or at a different level. Because it's, you know, a lot of people say I'm present, but what does that really mean? You know, I'm present. Um, kind of sounds a little bit hokey. But really, what is it? You know, being present is I'm, I'm listening to you to understand you as a human being, whether you're my friend, which you are, or my daughter, or my husband, or my client, I'm listening to you. And I'm actually listening to what you're saying and what you're not saying. Um, and that's kind of where the coaching comes in is that you, you then kind of your antenna goes up as my husband calls it. Um, am I, am I paying attention to really what they're not saying or they are? So even during the pandemic, you can absolutely listen to understand. And actually that's even more important than ever. Yeah. Well, I don't want to take too much more of your time today because uh, I'm sure I'll come up with something else and we might do another little session. But uh, I, I think uh, it was absolutely wonderful. And uh, in a way, it was almost like a coaching session in itself. Uh, where I, I got to know you a lot more in this hour than I know you in the last 15 years, which is fantastic. But it is, it, it's, a, it's a credit to the self-awareness and the fact that once you get into this world of coaching, you, you do open up. And you'd open up in both ways, you know, listening more, you're, you're, you're more able to say what you need to say in the circumstances. Mm -hmm. So it's been absolutely wonderful. So Wendy Chin, thanks a million for your time. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Very good. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, you are so easy to talk to. I was really nervous, but actually you, you laid my fears quite, quite soon and quite quickly. Thank you. Got it.